0: Hello, everyone. My name is Jacob, and thank you so much for listening to my podcast. On Fireside Personality Chats, I try to bring the theory of Jungian typology more down-to-earth through portraits and stories, thereby making typology more relevant and applicable to the everyday person. Hello, everyone. First of all, I'm very sorry that we have not had a podcast episode or video for Quite a few weeks. I, when I first began the podcast, I was planning on releasing an episode at least every week, but as the passion for the new project of away, I have not been able to keep up with that um, goal. So hopefully we will have some content substantial content at least once a month. Hopefully every other week, though. But we'll see. No promises. Um, Unfortunately, I do not yet have a type portrait. I'm currently working on an ISTJ portrait. We're gonna be looking at John, who was a side character in Ron's portrait. Ron was the ENFP that um, we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, I encourage you to listen to this episode. Episode 2, I believe, Portrait of an ENFP, and then Episode 5, um, Portrait of an ENFP, Extended Commentary. Hopefully, I will get the Ask2J video or podcast or portrait, whatever it is, finished by maybe Saturday so I can release the portrait and hopefully also the extended commentary so I'll probably just have that as a single um, episode, given that the portraits usually only take roughly ten minutes to read. I say usually, even though we've only had one. So today, I want to give a very brief overview explanation of my understanding of Jungian typology. So for those of you who don't know, and this isn't a history lesson but just for context. Um Carl Jung was a psychologist from Switzerland in the 1900s. He was a um student of um what's his name? Um Sigmund Freud, yes. The guy who has said with the ego, superego, um and super ego super ego and the id and Due to some disagreements and stuff, Jung kind of parted ways philosophically, psychologically, with um, with Freud, and he wrote a book called Psychological Types, which was based on his observation of clinical patients, and he observed that everyone has, in my understanding, four cognitive functions, which can be expressed in one of two attitudes, or orientations, as some people say. So we're gonna take a look at that. Um, and the reason I'm doing this is not because I want this podcast, this, um, multimedia extravaganza, smorgasbord, butch we call it, um, not because I want this to be a theoretical channel. The purpose of this channel is to use stories to communicate typology, and hopefully to inspire people to use typology as ways of self-growth. Not the only ways, it's it's only one aspect, so don't don't use typology as don't make it a religion, basically. But it can add some value to your life as long as you keep it in its right place. Um, However, if you're like me, you've noticed that there are numerous Jungian typology systems floating on, inter- on the internet, um, and sometimes they're compatible, sometimes they're not, and definitions can vary from typologist to typologist. And if my um, exp- if my portraits are to be of any real value to you, I feel that's important that I explain how I personally understand typology. So, without further ado, the model I'm using is a four-function model. It's drawn from numerous sources. I can't really cite many sources because I've done so much reading. I will have a link to websites and YouTube channels that I've found to be helpful. I'm not... just because I Include the link to Zambini, endorse or agree with everything they say in that channel, but to a large extent, I find it reliable. And the most important um, resource I've used recently is Gifts Differing, by Isabel Briggs Myers, Um, just because it's more authoritative, I suppose. Um, I'm going to be clear, this is not my my favorite Jungian system. To be honest, I much prefer Dr. John Beebe's Eight Function Model, when you have the archetypes. It kind of attracts my, um, it sort of makes life feel like a fantasy novel to some, to some extent. If, if you're familiar with his work, you probably know what I mean. However, the model that I am using, its main virtue is its simplicity very importantly, I want to be clear that the definitions I'm using for each of the preferences and cognitive functions is derived directly from Gifts Differing by Briggs Myers. Alright, so, what is this model? This model supposes that there are only four cognitive functions thinking, feeling, sensing, and intuition. Although each of these functions can have an attitude of introversion or extroversion, a function of one attitude is not deter- is not a different function, as the same function of the opposite attitude. This might not make much sense right now, but hopefully it will make more sense as we go on. And again, this is not to be an exhaustive explanation of ubiquity topology. That's an endless um, pool of knowledge and theory. So, if you're interested, do your do further research beyond this video, please. So, furthermore, each function exists on an attitudinal spectrum from extreme introversion and virtually no extroversion to extreme extroversion and virtually no introversion. So, each personality type has four functions: a dominant, an auxiliary, a tertiary, and an inferior. So, if you're not familiar with cognitive functions, and you hear that and and you hear four, you might think that. I'm talking about the, like, I, N, F, P, for example. You might say, oh, if I'm an INFP, my cognitive functions must be I, introversion, and intuition, F, feeling, and P, perceiving. That's not right, though. Those are dichotomy preferences. I'm not exactly sure what the right term is. I think that. um, All right, so... Continuing, the dominant is their most preferred function, and it sets a cognitive agenda, being the native way of perceiving, in the case of perceiving functions, or evaluating, in the case of judging functions, information. An instinct that many people will have is to say that, oh, if I'm a perceiving type, I must leave with a, lead with a perceiving function. And if I'm a judging type, I must lead with a judging function. That. Makes a lot of sense, actually, and Socionics, in their kind of adaption of MBTI um, letterology ha, have taken note of that, so I like that system. But in MBTI, a ju- as the rule is, if you're an IP type, you actually lead with an interverted judging function. If you're an EJ type, you lead with an Extroverted Judging Function. If you're an EP type, you lead with an Extroverted Perceiving Function, and if you're an IJ type, you lead with an Introverted Perceiving Function. For example, the INFP leads with FI, or Introverted Feeling, which is an Introverted Judging Function. The ESTJ leads with Extroverted thinking, which is an extroverted judging function, the um, ENFP leads with an E, which is an extroverted um, perceiving function, and the what? Well, Let's well, INFJ leads with an I, that is introverted intuition, and that is an introverted perceiving function. All right, with me? Good. Right, so now. The inferior function is their least preferred function and is always the opposite function and attitude as the dominant function, a term that some typologists use is polar opposite. Um, For example, if the dominant function is fi, then the inferior function is going to be te. So the auxiliary function, then, naturally serves in an assistive capacity to the dominant function. In relation, in relation to which it is always of the opposite attitude. Further, if the dominant function is a judging function, then the auxiliary function is a perceiving function, and vice versa. For example, if you have your fi as your dominant function, your exo- auxiliary function has to be extroverted. And because fi is a judging function, your Auxiliary function has to be a perceiving function. So, what that means is that an FI dominant type has two options for their auxiliary function either SE, that is, extrovert, that is extroverted sensing, or NE, which is extroverted intuition. Depending on which auxiliary function they are, that will determine whether they are an INFP or an ISFP. Alright, so. The tertiary function, then, is generally weaker than the auxiliary function, but is said to be more often preferred in childhood. Said to be. Um, That's not gospel truth, even from the perspective of type theory being true. Um, Okay, so in relation to the dominant function, the tertiary function is of the same attitude, but if the dominant function is a rational, slash, judging function, Then the tertiary function is an irrational task perceiving function, and vice versa. Alright, so I use the word rational and irrational there. I will get to what I mean by that in a moment. Just for now, let's um, give an example. Let's say you um, have introverted intuition as your dominant function, which, by the way, would mean that you are either an INFJ or an INTJ, just incidentally that means that because an i is an inverted function the tertiary function must be inverted also but then if the dominant function is a judging function then the tertiary function is a perceiving function and vice versa so in this case n i is a perceiving function which means that which means the tertiary function must be a rational or judging function that means that An I-dominant type can either have Ti, that is, introverted thinking, or Fi, that is, introverted feeling, as their tertiary function. So in the case of the i and Fj, you're going to have Ti as the tertiary function. And in the case of the i and Tj, you're going to have Fi as the tertiary function. Now, what does rational function mean? What is an irrational function? So these are the terms that were used by Carl Jung in Psychological Types. Rational... So let's, I'll start with irrational because that's going to be the most misunderstood, I think. So irrational does not mean illogical. It's more, in the, it's more like non-rational, non-logical. Rational functions mean that, basically, you, essentially you evaluate information against a rationale whether that's personal values, or social values, or a goal, or accuracy. That's what it basically means. As was aforementioned, each function exists on a spectrum from extreme introversion to extreme extroversion. Consequently, it is possible for a type to have a weak preference for one attitude over the other in a given cognitive function. In other words, a type could slightly favor introverted sensing over extroverted sensing, while still having access to extroverted sensing. This is the case for a type's auxiliary and tertiary functions. Meanwhile, a type's dominant and inferior functions will so strongly prefer their respective preferred attitudes that the function's opposite attitude will rarely, if ever, manifest. For instance, if a type's dominant function is fi, that type will have virtually zero fe. It's not repressed, it's just not there. Likewise, if it types inferior function is T E, that type will have virtually zero TI. If you're listening to the podcast, you don't have this luxury, but if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, I will have a graphic really introduced into the type community into like nineteen eighties, I think. Before people thought that your dominant function was of one attitude, and your auxiliary, tertiary, and inferior functions were all of the opposite attitude. So if your um, dominant function is introverted, then people used to think that your extra, that your three other subordinate functions were all extroverted. All right, so, four dichotomies. Now this is where you're probably most familiar, if you're not familiar with MBTI, or typology. MBTI, I should mention, is... does not encompass all of human typology. It is one particular interpretation, ma mod theory, model of typology. However, people often use the term MBTI as a proxy term for top, Jungian typology in general. So if I make the mistake, I apologize. Especially because of copyright reasons, blah blah blah. All right, so four dichotomies. Each type is a four letter code. Each letter being one preference in a series of four dichotomies. The first, the dichotomies are extraversion slash introversion, that is E or I sensing or intuition, S or N, thinking or feeling, T or F, and judging or perceiving, that is, J or P. Um, So, in the document I have, I have tables from um, Gifts Differing that compare and contrast the each preference for each dichotomy, for copyright reasons, and just because it's not the most interesting, I'm not going to include that in the video or the podcast. However, I will give you the page numbers, and I encourage you, if you have the book, to look them up. In the meantime, I will give very brief descriptions and contrasts between the preferences. Right, so, beginning begin with extversion versus introversion. The first dichotomy is attitude, which determines the most natural orientation of the individual's cognition. Extroverts are generally directed toward the external world, while introverts are cognitively directed toward the internal world. Extroverts are generally more bold, outgoing, emotional, or emotive, and action-oriented, while introverts are generally more cautious, reserved, and contemplative. For reference, I encourage you to read Gifts Differing, page 56. Um, I wanted to spell a misconception here, which is that extroverts get their energy from being around other people, and introverts get their energy by recharging by being alone time, reading a book, blah, 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 blah. That's a well and good for some systems like Big Five. That's not what it means in you typology, okay? Next, sensing versus intuition. The second dichotomy is perception, which determines the most natural manner in which the individual... The second dichotomy is perception, which determines the most natural manner in which the individual takes in information. Sensors value the tangible experience and neglect the imagination, while intuitive types value the imagination and neglect the tangible experience. Sensors exist within and accept the present moment, while intuitive types are incapable of doing so. It's a bit misleading to say that sensors exist within and accept the present moment because that's kind of more of... An SE thing to do, and I will say that the, the sensing type list in the table that distinguishes sensors from intuitive types kind of feels more on the side of extroverted sensing than introverted sensing, slightly. Anyways, a better way of putting it, I suppose, would that be that sensors often only look beyond sense perceptions, what's like immediately there. Even if it was many layers, like like reading pages on a book, like an intuitive type will be more likely to like fill in the blank. Like, what does what's what's the general pattern like? Um, for example, I was reading a book yesterday, a fiction book, and I kind of had I kind of was processing it by, okay, what are what are like the patterns of behavior that characterize this person like? Who is this person, instead of just, like, enjoying like each, like, particular scene? Something like that. All right then, thinking versus feeling. The third dichotomy is judgment, which determines the most natural criteria by which the individual evaluates information and makes decisions. Thinkers value facts and logic, like Ben Shapiro and tend to behave more impersonally, while feelers value sentiments and ethics, and tend to behave more personably. Understand, however, that feelers' tendency to behave more personably than thinkers is not to be confused with experts' tendency to be more emotive than introverts. I don't have anything to say about this as of now. Next Judging versus Perceiving. The fourth and final dichotomy is the lifestyle which determines the most natural way in which the individual approaches the external world. Judgers tend to be structured and goal-oriented, while perceivers more adaptable and process-oriented. Now I want to ask you a question. What makes someone a judging type? Or what makes someone a perceiving type? Is it that judging types use schedules and planners and stuff like that, and receivers are always forgetful night-to-appointments and go with the flow? To some extent, yes. But one of the central tenets of Jungian topology is to look beyond behavior into the cognitive machinations that lead to behavior. So the judging type values decisiveness over curiosity use, basically, the terms that um, they use in the book. Perceiving types are the opposite. So judging types want to make a decision, whereas perceiving types want to learn more information. That's why judging types judge like judge on what we should do, make a decision, versus perceiving types as in perceive, as in learn about what we could do. For example, Alright, that's for preferences. Now we're going to get into the real meat of typology after this very short water break. Ah. Okay, as was aforementioned, there are only four cognitive functions. These are thinking, feeling, sensing, and intuition. And each function expresses in each type as either introverted or extroverted the result being eight function attitudes. These are properly called cognitive function attitudes. However, it is common to call cognitive function attitudes cognitive functions or simply functions. Each function's two attitudes are compared and in the following tables adapted from Gifts differing by Myers with blah, 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 blah. blah. Right. again, I can't show the tables, but I will give you the page numbers. Which I did not do for before. So, alright. So, like, just again for you, um, extroversion versus introversion, page fifty-six. This is all just differing, by the way. Um, Sensing versus intuition, page sixty-three. Thinking versus feeling, page sixty-eight, and judging versus perceiving, page seventy-five. My edition is the 1995 edition of Gifts Differing. If you have a different edition and the page numbers don't align, I apologize, but it shouldn't be too difficult for you to find them. Alright, so we're going to go take each function and distinguish how it... distinguish between its two different attitudes. Beginning with thinking, so extroverted versus introverted thinking. The cognitive function known as thinking is divisible into two attitudes: extroverted thinking (T.E.) and introverted thinking (T.I.). T.E. Not T.T.E. Okay, like capital T followed by lowercase e. Is naturally more concerned with the facts than the theory, while the opposite is true of T.I. While T.E is concerned with practical solutions, TI is concerned with theoretical answers to questions of interest to the interpreted thinker. Consequently, extroverted thinking types are more likely to be administrators, in a broad sense, that is, while introverted thinkers are more likely to be philosophers, again, in a broad sense. TE's primary weakness is that it is so, it's that it is so concerned with the facts that it tends to neglect explanation of the facts, TI's primary weakness is that it is so concerned with the explanation that it tends to neglect the facts themselves. In light of TE's preoccupation with facts, TE should in no wise be con- confused with SE, which is also a facts-orientated function. Whereas SE is concerned with raw facts, TE gives meaning in some sense to facts by defining and categorizing them. It's also important to remember that TE is not concerned with facts as such, but also with ideas, originating, uh, with ideas originating from without the individual. Then, extroverted versus introverted feeling. The cognitive function known as feeling is visible into two attitudes. Extroverted feeling, FE, and introverted feeling, FI. FE is naturally more concerned with conformity to these standards of the collective in the realm of ethics and emotions, while Fi is concerned with conformity to the internal values of the individual. Many type theorists have posited that Fe's adherence to social values originates from the extruded feeler's fundamental self-identification with the group, meanwhile, introverted feelers fundamentally self-identify with the self, and are consequently less inclined to adhere to social values. In practice, the way these feelings, these function attitudes work out is that feeler, that FE types, like the ENFJ for example, will be more concerned with maintaining social harmony, whereas FI types, such as the INFP, will be more concerned with living life authentically, that is, acting in accordance with who they feel they are and who they want to be. I would say the healthier FI type will be more living in life in life the latter, just because no one is perfect. Sanctification is a lifelong process. Then, extroverted versus introverted sensing. The cognitive function known as sensing is divisible into two attitudes. Extroverted sensing. I have trouble saying the word extroverted. I apologize if that comes out and it's awkward for you. Hopefully, you're still here. <laughs> Alright, so the cognitive function is known as sensing. It's divisible into two attitudes extroverted sensing, SE, and introverted sensing, SI. SE values the object of experience, while SI values the experience itself. An extroverted sensor's attention will be generally captured by the quote, strongest stimulus. That's from Gisterframe. While well, an introverted sensor's attention will be generally captured by what is of subjective interest to the individual. In other words, in the case of FSE, the object attracts the subject's attention by the sheer magnitude of its strength. In the case of AFSI, the object attracts the subject's attention by a sort of magnetic pull of the subject's innermost interests. SE also is more explorative, while SI is more habitual. Just kind of bring this more a little bit more into the behavioral realm, I suppose. Um, SE types would generally be more concerned with just exploring the um, physical environment, whereas SI will be more about making the physical environment align with what they perceive it should be. Also worth mentioning that SI types tend to be more prone to have object sentimentality than SE types Next, extroverted versus introverted intuition. The cognitive function as intuition is divisible to two attitudes, extroverted intuition that's NE, and introverted intuition that's NI. While both attitudes of intuition seek an escape from the, quote, immediate situation, NE seeks an escape by the radical alteration of the environment itself, while NI seeks an escape by the radical alteration of the individual's perspective. Um, Just to the latter point, a personality hacker has nicknamed NI perspectives. So NE is more creative in the sense of self-expression, while NI is more insightful in the sense of bringing to bear A new philosophy, so to speak, on all on an all-too likely but null situation. In terms of cognition, NE is generally understood as divergent ideation. Beginning with only one or a few reference points, such as an experience, it branches out. On the other hand, NI is convergent synthesis, starting with numerous starting reference points. And then drawing a singular conclusion. To be clear, this is not it's not the same as like, Ti, which is generally more linguistic. I, I I think, while Ni is imagistic. In fact, when Carl Jung, was defined, Ni, he kind of, he referenced the. Archetypal images arising out of the collective unconscious. Sorry, not conscience, unconscious, because he believed that archetypes such as the, the prince, or the, the witch, or the trickster, are inherited just because so, just because these archetypes can be seen in like mythology and fairy tales and whatnot in all of different kinds of cultures. We thought there must be some sort of, I guess, evolutionary thing like that. It must be passed down. Now that we understand genetics better, we know that's not scientifically true. So we, so this is an element of the theory that we have to discard in light of a better understanding of scientific facts. Alright. That is all for that part, but we're not done yet. Next, cognitive functions and axes. Axes not referring to the weapon or to a hatchet, but axes being the plural of axis. Another way of of pluralizing. (laughs) Axis is spelled with two i's, like... Axis? I don't actually know how to say it. It's not very common, and... I didn't use it this time. So, the rule of opposition is an important aspect of Jungian typology. It being generally held that a given function works in tandem with its opposite. That is, thinking works in tandem with feeling, and sensing works in tandem with intuition. There's a great um, graphic for you on the watch on the YouTube channel. However, in each axis, one function will be stronger than the other. In an ENFJ, for example, feeling outweighs thinking, and intuition outweighs sensing. Further, there is less balance between the dominant and inferior functions than there is between the auxiliary and tertiary functions. For instance, as Figure 3 shows the EnFJ's of j's feeling function outweighs its thinking function more than its intuition function outweighs its sensing function. This basic hierarchy is known as the function stack. However, it's important to keep in mind that it is more complicated than f stronger than M is stronger than s is stronger, stronger than t for the n of j. Nevertheless, it is a useful heuristic when we enter the waters of more advanced type theory. Now remember that each type prefers to use each function in one of two attitudes that is, introverted or extroverted. Why do I have to say extroverted so many times? Mm. To continue with the ENFJ example, the ENFJ prefers to use feeling in the extroverted attitude, intuition in the introverted attitude, sensing in the extroverted attitude, and thinking in the Interpreted attitude. So, just sum up that's. Let explain, no, to put something sum up. That's F E N I S E T I. As a result of these axes, the ENFJ judges information based on social harmony or, dis- or disharmony by using F E, and to a much lesser extent based on logical consistency or inconsistency, that is, using T I. The ENFJ perceives information primarily by way of insights originating out of the unconscious why do keep saying unco- oh my gosh. Must be Freudian slip <laughs> Unconscious NI. And secondarily and secondarily concrete immediately immediate phenomena using S E. The relationship between NI and SE provide an excellent example of the mechanism of a function axis. Earlier, when describing NE and NI, I've said that NI starts with numerous data points and then draws a singular conclusion. In this case, the data gathering function is SE. The ENFJ values NI more than SE, so SE data gathering is subjected to NI insightfulness, the opposite being true of the ENFJ's opposite type, ISTP. Because NI and as through the ENFJ's auxiliary and tertiary functions, respectively, they are relatively balanced. So, this is less true when it comes to FE and TI. The cost, so to speak, of FE dominance is TI repression. As a result of this, the ENFJ almost always favors social harmony over logical consistency. And when TI is employed, it is almost always employed toward FE ends. For instance, of might use TI to build a theoretically self-consistent political system to the ends of social harmony on a broad level. Now, can the EFJ just use TI just independently without, like, it directly contributing to some sort of FE, social harmony, agenda? Yeah, but of EFJ uh, might have an interest in philosophy, for example, without really thinking too much about how it's directly aligned with FE goals. And they might use TI for that a lot, but they're still going to be looking at that from an FE perspective, more than a TI perspective, even though they are employing TI as a tool. It's just not the main tool that they're using. All right. Now, let's get the application to type. So you can type deposits that each Personality type leads with one of the cognitive function attitudes, which function is aided by an, auxil- an auxiliary function. So there are 16 types. The types include ESTJ, ENTJ, ISTP, INTP, ESFJ, ENFJ, ISFP, INFP, ESTP, ESFP, ISTJ, ISFJ, ENTP, ENFP, INTJ, and INFJ. For those of you on the YouTube channel, there's a table nine, there's a table for you, table nine, that shows each type and what their dominant auxiliary, tertiary, and inferior functions are respectively. As I said before, this is not intended to be an exhaustive, Exhaust. what's that? Oxaust would that be like? I don't even know been an exhaustive treatise of Jungian typology. For this reason, I will not be offering type descriptions of every type, for I will offer very brief descriptions of eight pairs of types, each of which share the same dominant function. You will notice in the following descriptions that I have annexed tags or titles to the dominant function type pairs. This is solely to help you understand the archetypal nature of each of the dominant functions. It is not to suggest For instance, that all ESTJs are managers, or much less that all managers are ESTJs. Further, I cannot stress enough that these are brief descriptions. Do not expect to learn all the nuances of type from the following paragraphs. Do not. Let's begin with expert thinking types. The ESTJ and the ENTJ are the managers, the supervisors of the world, harnessing their strong reasoning powers. These types work to build efficient, useful systems. The ESTJ, preferring SI, SC auxiliary function, will draw on past experience and precedence as a reference point, while the ENTJ, with auxiliary NI, will be more visionary. Introverted thinking types The INTP and ISTP are the analysts, the mechanics, the philosophers, the scientists of the world. They apply their strong reasoning powers to the deduction of the underlying principles of ideas and things. The ISTP, possessing as it does SE as its auxiliary function, tends to focus on physical mechanisms. This is how the ISTP earned the nickname of Mechanic. The INTP meanwhile has auxiliary and E, making this type more abstract in its museums earning this type the nickname of, like, Magician. Next, the Extroverted Feeling Types. The ESFJ and the ENFJ are the Humanitarians, the community builders of the world. Drawing on their amicable, generally adaptive nature, these types work to create social harmony and rapport. The ESFJ being a sensor, prefers to help people in practical ways for which reasons, this type is like more likely than the ENFJ to turn to health professions, all things being equal. As a consequence of S-Auxiliary in particular, the ESFJ tends to be more conventional. The ENFJ is more visionary, imaginative, and academically inclined, which comes as a result of this type's Auxiliary and I. Next, introverted Feeling Types. The ISFP and the INFP are the Idealists, the individualists of the world, attuned to their personal values. They value that their lives have most meaning when their actions align with what feels right to them and expresses their inner identity. With auxiliary SE, the ISFP usually turns to physical means of self-expression. For which reason, the ISFP is often called the artisan. On the other hand, the INFP with auxiliary and e, should be more inclined toward abstract means of self-expression, often having a good command of language. All right, next, experted sensing types. The ESTP and the ESFP are the adaptive realists of the world. By nature, they possess a great deal of curiosity by the physical world, and are very adapted to it. Additionally. As sensors, they usually have an excellent memory in terms of facts. The ESTP uses TI as its auxiliary function, which helps its type to, to apply logical principles to the navigation of the immediate environment, whether this be the actual physical environment, social settings, or anything else. The ESFP has auxiliary FI, making this type more in tune with personal values of both them and others. Next, introverted sensing types. The ISTJ and the ISFJ are the conservative, or conventional, realists of the world. They accumulate numerous sense impressions which serve as a blueprint for how things should be. This could be for something as simple as moving the picture frame two inches to the left in the mantle, or it could be something as complex as maintaining the social order. The ISTJ has auxiliary TE making this type a reliable inspector, which is often a nickname applied to ISTJs, archetypally speaking. Meanwhile, the ISFJ has auxiliary FE, giving this type more of a humanitarian bent. Next, extroverted intuitive types. The ENTP and ENFP are the innovators, the entrepreneurs, the life coaches of the world. They perceive possibilities for action, and their ideas are usually more important to them than the actual implementation of these ideas. ENTPs use TI as their auxiliary function, which means they're more able to apply uh, logical analysis to their ideation. Being thinkers, ENTPs are generally more more drawn towards systems, and they risk treating other people as cogs in a machine of their making. ENFPs, on the other hand, use FI in their auxiliary function slot, making them more drawn to people, applying any creativity to FI individualism. Finally, introverted intuitive types. The INTJ and INFJ are the visionaries, the mystics of the world. They pursue a relentless, often singular vision of what could be to them what will be, and often receive insights arising out of the unconscious. Unco- oh my gosh, unconscious. Not the collective unconscious, because that's bunk, but still the unconscious. The INFJ uses TE as its auxiliary function, making this type more suited to managerial roles, while the INFJ uses FE as its auxiliary function, making this type more suited to community leader mentor roles. Um, So, this has been a very brief overview of the theory of Union typology. It's not exhaustive, hopefully you'll be able to learn, glean some more knowledge, insight from me, as you continue to listen to this podcast slash watch this channel. An important aspect of type, which is sometimes neglected when we dive into theory, is its application. So hopefully you've observed that type theory goes far beyond the four dichotomies and even when we limit type theory to the economies, it is much more complex than what is commonly understood. For example, there is more to being an expert than getting energy from other people. Fundamentally, union typology is a theory of how people's minds work, using cognitive functions as analogical building blocks of psychological type. Consequently, it is important to remember that your union type does not in any way define who you are or encapsulate the essence of your being. It is simply a way of stating the cognitive tools with which you are naturally equipped. Typology, for this reason, shall be seen as limiting, but rather empowering. Knowing your natural strengths is the first step to honing these strengths. Knowing your natural weaknesses is the first step to shoring up these weaknesses. Additionally, typology serves as a useful heuristic or framework understanding others. While no psychological system can offer exhaustive insight into each person, typology can offer some insight into how people learn and make decisions. It is, of course, the ethical task of the person familiar with typology and with the types of other, other people to use this knowledge not to manipulate but to encourage, not to limit others but to build them up. Finally, because it bears repeating, no one's psychological type is who they are. This is not to put people in boxes. There is a term commonly used in the typology community which is best fit type. Imagine you go to a clothing store and locate 16 different outfits. You try each of them on until you find the one that fits you best. It would be absurd to say that you are that outfit. The same principle can be applied to typology. ESTP might be your best fit type, but that does not make you an ESTP. Even, they will often say, oh, I'm an FP, I'm an what? you know, whatever it is. In conclusion, your psychological type can give insight into the inner machinations of your mind and those of others, facilitating self-growth and equipping you with tools to play a supportive role in others' lives, no matter what that looks like exactly for you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, slash watching this video. Um, Hopefully I will have the ICJ portrait and commentary, maybe, by Saturday. We'll see. No promises. Thank you once again for listening to this podcast. I hope you find it such that you feel compelled to subscribe, follow, share, like, and Give me a favorable rating on your favorite podcast listening application. I also have a Facebook page, a blog, and a YouTube channel. My name is Jacob, and this has been a Fireside Personality Chat. I'll see you next time.